The term propaganda comes from the Roman Catholic Church's Congregation de Propaganda Fide. Formed in 1622, the organization's mission was to counter the Protestant Reformation and to propagate the faith among non-Christians. By the 20th century, using the idea of propagating the faith expanded beyond just a religious context to describing secular persuasive communication. Initially thought of as being value neutral, propaganda took on a pejorative meaning in the post-World War I era. It's used by the U.S. government to influence the American population to support entering World War I and by the Germans against the Allies, combined to taint the meaning of propaganda as something that is inherently sinister. According to Edward Bernays, a founder of the public relations industry, he needed to change the name of his propaganda marketing enterprise to that of a public relations council. But what is propaganda exactly? Developing a widely accepted notion of what propaganda is has been elusive. Early scholars struggled to grasp the nature of propaganda and fix a definition that captures its essence. The struggle continues today as it remains a vague concept that is used according to a user's purpose, most often in the context of something that a bad actor does. In this episode, we will be exploring why fixing a definition of propaganda has proved difficult and why it remains a perplexing paradigm. So join me now in the propaganda universe. Viable definition of propaganda that captures the idea of what is meant by the term has been a difficult proposition. It has become ritualistic to begin a definition with a statement recognizing how difficult it is to do so. Early on, a social psychologist, Leonard Dube in 1935, noted the definition of propaganda had, quote, acquired almost as many connotations as there are authors who have dared formulate definitions. In 1943, Edgar Henderson, in his Toward a Definition of Propaganda, referred to it as an elusive phenomenon and wrote that the abundance of definitions was widely different and often antagonistic. And when placed under the scrutiny of logical criticism, these definitions were still unsatisfactory. More recently, in 2013, Paul Baines and Nicholas O'Shaughnessy noted the considerable definitional fog surrounding propaganda and asserted that it is still not well-defined and often misunderstood. Why has it been difficult? French philosopher and sociologist and author of one of the most authoritative books on propaganda, Jacques Ellul, provided some reasons why propaganda has been difficult to define. One reason he cites is the value-laden lens through which propaganda is viewed, which prevents the conduct of objective study. Another is the view that propaganda is composed of tall tales and lies, implying that it is unsuitable for study. A third reason he offers is that understanding the nature of propaganda is exceedingly difficult because, as he describes it, it is a secret action. Elul even opined that the difficulty in defining propaganda is perhaps why American social scientists 
had abandoned the use of the term propaganda altogether. To elaborate further on Elul's notion that propaganda is a secret action, how it is created and disseminated is usually not accessible to external observation. How the Soviet Union, the Russian Federation, and China, for example, run their propaganda operations is not open to public scrutiny and its methods are closely held secret. Nor are the propaganda operations of any nation state, for that matter. Doing so would compromise the effectiveness of the propaganda. In the private sector, global public relations and communications firms, such as Urson Marsteller, desire to keep their methods secret through proprietary claims and non-disclosures. Of course, there is also the need for them to keep from public scrutiny their work for unsavory actors or rogue states. Exposure of their clients and methods would compromise their business and potentially lead to its collapse, as happened to Bell Pottinger in 2018 when its activities in South Africa were revealed. While not a propaganda entity per se, social media companies keep it a secret who is paying them to disseminate propaganda and how they are doing it. Because the production and management of propaganda is mostly inaccessible to observation, researchers predominantly make empirical observations from its output. This is most apparent in how propaganda is characterized by the media and the literature's predisposition towards describing propaganda-type phenomena according to the technology or techniques used. These are indicated by the descriptor used in the titles of books, articles, and reports such as cyber, disinformation, active measures, or like war. As a consequence, we are led to think of propaganda in terms of either cyber or disinformation, for example. This is to say that we draw our understanding of propaganda from the parts and not the whole. Propaganda is a much more complex phenomenon that defies being characterized just in terms of technology or techniques. The downside in doing so throws us off track from understanding the problem propaganda poses because we fail to connect the tactics used to a greater design or purpose. Another plausible explanation as to why propaganda has been difficult to define can be found in Michael Sproul's observation that propaganda studies is an interdisciplinary field. The problem that an interdisciplinary field poses is that scholars and researchers tend to view a phenomenon from the perspective of their primary field of study. Leonard Dube observed that sociologists approach a study of propaganda through a sociological perspective, while psychologists used a psychological or social psychological lens through which to study propaganda. Dube noted, however, that any one approach by itself is inadequate. Ilul wrote that in the 1920s and early 1930s, the study of propaganda in the U.S. was dominated by 
psychological perspectives that characterize propaganda as a manipulation of psychological symbols having goals of which the listener is not conscious. It is worthwhile to point out that in addition to a range of unsatisfactory definitions, an interdisciplinary field of study often suffers from weak theoretical development as it is not located in a specific field of study. Generally speaking, a field of study contains a range of theories that explain phenomena that are of concern to that field. Good theory helps us to achieve better research outcomes. Scholars and researchers developing theory on phenomena outside their primary field are disincentivized to do so because it does not advance knowledge in their field and the prospect of publishing in its journals and participation in conferences are correspondingly diminished, as is career advancement. It can be said, then, that our system of knowledge falls short in studying complex phenomenon consisting of a diverse set of interconnected variables that cut across a number of different disciplines, such as the case of propaganda. The fact that propaganda is an interdisciplinary field of study has much to do with its creation and dissemination. It is important to recognize that the creation and dissemination of propaganda is done by technocrats or technical experts and not by scholars, social scientists, data scientists, or psychologists. Faced with the requirement of achieving results, propagandists are only concerned with accomplishing an assigned task and are agnostic regarding the ways and means by which to do it. To this effect, Ellul wrote that the common characteristic of all propagandas is the driving imperative to achieve effects and that ineffective propaganda is no propaganda. While not social scientists or psychologists themselves, propagandists take advantage of the latest scientific research to inform their work in the manner of an applied science. Ellul asserts that propagandists become more precise in their application of the sciences and will inevitably surpass scientific understanding due to the need to be effective in real-world contexts. Terence Qualter says that propagandists recognize the potential for the practical application of scientific advances before psychologists and sociologists are able to explain the why or how of something. The large variation in the means and methods used by propagandists can also make it difficult to categorize and define propaganda. Propagandists are generally not rigid in how they approach a task, but instead they are pragmatic in terms of doing what is necessary to accomplish the task. In any given situation, the theories selected and how they are applied differ because propagandists choose their persuasive strategy based on who the target is, their conditions, and what is the desired outcome. Qualter notes that the success of propaganda depends on it being designed according to the particular needs of the situation and the audience at which it is directed. This makes 
the content of propaganda highly situational and variable. For example, in one case, the propagandist may determine that cognitive dissonance, a theory rooted in psychology, is the appropriate theory to apply, or, in another case, social judgment theory from social psychology. Still, in other situations, communication-related theories, such as agenda setting, priming, or framing, might be used. Elul recognizes variability when he stated that one type of propaganda will be found suitable in one situation and be completely useless in another. To an external observer, this would prove a challenge in making generalizable claims, especially if the range of theories available in a researcher's primary field cannot provide sufficient explanatory value. It might be the case where the observable data could be explained by theories from another but unfamiliar field. For example, a sociologist unfamiliar with communication theories might develop a distinct subfield of study on the same phenomenon without regard or engagement to existing communication theory. This could partially explain the development of different frameworks, terms, and concepts that are used to examine the same phenomenon. Unfortunately, this also gives the impression that we are encountering something new and novel when it might be the case of an old phenomenon for which there is already a body of research. This is the situation with propaganda for which there exists over 100 years of scholarly work. Another explanation as to why propaganda has been a difficult concept to grasp can be attributed to the lack of an established field of study as alluded to earlier. This at least was the case until relatively recently. Because propaganda achieves its purpose through an act of communication, it logically follows that the study of propaganda is located in the communications field of study. However, when the modern form of propaganda emerged during World War I and began to attract scholarly attention, communication studies, as a distinct field, did not exist and only began to take shape in the post-World War II era. As a consequence, the study of propaganda was conducted by social scientists such as Harold Laswell and psychologists like Leonard Dube, making it a one-off area of study not belonging to any established field. While propaganda is ill-defined, there is common understanding of its meaning to the extent that it means something pejorative as it is most often used to negatively frame an opponent's communication. An underlying assumption is that everyone knows that propaganda is bad, and by casting an opponent's communication as propaganda, this gives sufficient cause to disregard it, and no further elaboration is needed. On the other hand, friendly communication is described in terms of public affairs, public relations, or strategic communications, for example. A common attitude in this regard finds expression in statements such as, we do strategic communications, they do propaganda. 
In actuality, however, it is a battle between rival propagandas, with both sides attempting to promote their themes and messages, while undermining the credibility and effectiveness of the other guy's propaganda. So why does it matter that we do not have a widely accepted definition of propaganda? Well, because propaganda is ill-defined, this complicates its study and keeps us from having a clear understanding as to how it functions. Lacking a clear understanding prevents us from determining what we should do about its negative consequences, both as individuals and as a society. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and that you'll join me in the next episode where we will be conducting a survey of how propaganda has been defined. Until then, thank you so much for joining me in Propaganda Universe. If you'd like to view the video version of this podcast, please visit and subscribe to the Propaganda Universe channel on YouTube. If you believe the mission of Propaganda Universe has value, please consider making a contribution and supporting the universe. You can support Propaganda Universe through the universe's Patreon site at patreon.com forward slash propaganda universe, one word, and PayPal at paypal.me forward slash propaganda universe, also one word. Again, many thanks for joining me in the propaganda universe.